I'm Dr. Omar Khan. I'm Dr. Shannon Gowland. I'm Dr. Tiffany Dursey. And welcome to Vet Sessions. Hi, welcome to Vet Sessions. I'm Dr. Omar Khan. Today I have with me Dr. Pavnish Madan. Uh, we spoke uh, a few weeks ago uh, about some interesting, you know, VR technology coming down the pipelines in terms of anatomy and other areas. Uh, we're back today to chat about some other interesting developments uh, in veterinary medicine relating to technology and how that's going to help enhance our profession and our practice in the future. Hi, Pavnish. Welcome back. Hi, Omar. Thank you so much once again uh, for having me here. And cool. if I... Uh, if I remember uh, the interesting conversation we had uh, last time, I think this is going to be uh, something, another very interesting episode. And I'm looking, I'm looking forward, forward to it. To, to your questions. Yeah. So we left off with, uh, you know, with the VR learning in anatomy. And again, thank you so much to the university, um, you know, for their software. I'll let you speak to that a bit more, but they were kind enough to send you an upgrade as well, right? Yeah, so uh, I think they just read it in the press as well as I think probably the podcast. Uh, they contacted me and uh, and said, well, we uh, we have some good news for you. And I said, what's that? I said, we have an upgrade. We have been working behind the scenes on the newer software uh, and the, the use of this special or speciality of this uh, software is that uh, you may not need the actual VR goggles to view that. People can also look at it in 2D mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on a laptop or an iPad. So um, it will be something uh, which we will have a f- much wider reach. Yes. But certainly VR gives you an immersive idea and immersive technology. But this is what they're working on is something which will be a quick, people could have used it as a quick reference uh, without going into those deeper layers of technology of wearing a headset, having pro, mm-hmm. uh, having the controllers in their hand. Yeah. Uh, but I, I see use of both uh, in, in the future. So um, as the picture quality, the image quality, the movement of the images in, improves, I'll probably see that there will be a more amalgamation of these two technologies together in the coming times. Yeah, definitely. And I can see, you know, the benefit of the second aspect of that in, in general practice, even, you know, a surgeon wanting to refresh, you know, themselves on a particular anatomy before they go into a procedure. So that that, that certainly sounds definitely some of that I could use, you know, for, for some of my more complicated procedures. Absolutely. And uh, it also helps students learn and quiz themselves, ask questions and, and get that confirmation, reinforcement, as well as uh, some kind of confirmation. I always find sometimes even knowing students are at that stage where they're not very confident of their answers at times. And tools like these just help them to uh, figure it out and say, yes, uh, I thought it was so and I got it right. Yeah, that reinforcement that, yes. yeah, that they need definitely encouragement for sure. So why don't you tell us a bit more about some of the other, you know, topics that we weren't able to get to last time? Well, uh, since we're in the field of technology and how our uh, field of veterinary medicine is going to evolve as the newer technologies come into uh, play, um, and as you read through the virtual reality side of things and technology, I've been fascinated by some of the peripheral aspects of technology that are either coming into play or at the verge of coming into the, the biggest of them is the Internet of Things. And I think Internet of Things, IoT as it's called, is going to govern a lot of things coming in the future from the pharmacy inventories to 
um, you know, patient intake, patient uh, uh, movement within the clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many mistakes happen, um, you know, uh, in our veterinary medicine. If there there are some mistakes that happen during clinical practice, uh, you know, they are because of improper note taking or not transmitting good information from one clinician to the other clinician or to the tech staff. Mm-hmm. And with the IOTs and having those uh, connectivity that everybody stays with the same information all the time is going to be so important. Uh, and IOT helps us to do that uh, in, in terms of, of uh, Internet of Things as well. Um, so that is the first frontier, I would say, that where uh, technology and uh, information is going to meet. But let me go even step back a little bit and, and start by saying that most of the technology change we see coming is going to be either in the area of a, which will be data driven, which means the more information points we have, the more we know about the topic mm-hmm. and then we can modulate or govern it based on whether we want a human intervention or we want a technological intervention. And that is leads us to the second point. And, and as the data gets better and better, the technology is also getting better. We have smaller sensors, we have smaller chips, we have smaller conductors, semiconductors, which are making machines more and more smaller yeah. uh, and faster as well. Mm-hmm. It is believed that the, um, the year of singularity was supposed to be 2032, where the uh, computer speed will match the speed of the brain. Right. How are because there is an exponential growth of computing now that we are in the last curve like it's a very sharp rise because every few years the speed of computers almost doubles Uh, so if Mm -hmm. you had a computer that was uh, you know 2.8 gigabyte uh, speed gigahertz speed and now it's almost you know 3.8 gigahertz yeah and and that's how the it's becoming faster and faster and we are in the sine curve top of the sine curve now in terms of that exponential growth of the of computing yeah, being faster. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally believe that because I know there's many computers out there that are much faster than my brain. <laughs> and and it is believed that they will match our human brain by, it was believed to be 2032, but I some people are saying it will even be for twi- like before 2030. Yeah. So uh, you can Im- even imagine uh, where people are starting to think about having, you know, chips and sensors, which are, for example, our diabetes sensor, which we know is, is helping us people and human uh, and animals and pets, in yeah. terms I of, use that a lot of exactly uh, and they will get smaller and they will get faster mm-hmm. and not only for just diabetes we might have those kind of sensors for any kind of a hormonal assess- estimation uh, we could have them for some blood parameters um, yeah. and that's going to be so ha- helpful in knowing the parameters for example whichever disease we are wondering and what causes that disease having those sensors inbuilt will will be uh, amazing and and uh, the way that they would connect with a f- com- faster computing um, machine maybe a phone which mm-hmm. is uh, even our present phone is believed to be faster than the computer which was used to put man on the moon mm-hmm. or Apollo yeah. 11 so w- we we know this is going to get faster and faster so our computing in our phone itself will be so faster that whatever that sensor is picking up will be analyzed on our phone and we will have an output right there on our phone as yeah. well so those are the two broader areas in terms of the data acquisition and data interpretation and then whether we are using the data as as technology or as a human intervention mm-hmm. um, and those will be two very fascinating areas and then we we can go further into those categories as we as our as our conversation yeah, as we progress. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because that, that sort of leads us a little bit into to artificial intelligence and how that can help, you know, us, you know, w- with cases that we see. I know there's some software out there, uh, SignalPets and a couple of the programs that use artificial intelligence to help, you know, look for those patterns, as you mentioned, with that with that data point uh, in interpreting x-rays. It, I mean, it doesn't replace, you know, the traditional radiologist and it doesn't, you know, mean that we have to rely on that software. But as you mentioned earlier, it, it gives us that that support to say, oh, yeah, I thought that looked odd and, and the software agrees with me. So certainly it is atypical. Um, I know that you mentioned there's a couple others as well. Yeah, so two major areas where that's happening at a very fast pace is, of course, as you said, radiology. And I know in human medicine, most of the knee replacement or knee assessment is now entirely artificial intelligence uh, governed. Mm -hmm. Although with every assessment, there is a human radiologist who has to certify what the what the artificial intelligence has picked up? Yeah. Uh, so that is a is a very interesting development, and I think we will see similar effect come down to veterinary medicine, where we will have X-ray evaluations being done by uh, first layer um, uh, of maybe an artificial intelligence or somebody just giving you that oh you know this is where it should be leading. Yeah. However, I'm more interested in the area which is now in terms of note taking, and that is your. Uh, documentation in the clinic mm-hmm. and a uh, lot of time the, the as you know the, the audio um, transcription software has got so much better um, that they are now integrated into zoom and into uh, uh, yeah our lectures on teams and you right. can turn them on and it's pretty good for for a standard yeah. uh, Canadian accent for me uh, it still yeah. makes a mistake every yeah. now and then but uh, but invariably they they will keep getting better and better mm-hmm. and and I think there is an, a trend where as the patient is speaking in the room and giving you the signs and features why they're what they're here for and what are the problems with the, with the pet the the transcription already is happening so yeah, you don't so. have to really go back uh, and then start writing notes with your memory right uh, it's it's all automatic transcribed and the best part is that by the time you end that interview with the patient or patient's owner you have a problem list already pre-made for you mm-hmm. and the moment you start okay what are your differentials that's already in there and the moment you start saying i want to do this and based on the artificial intelligence data you, they know if the last time there was an ear infection they use this 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 and if you wanted to use a, some other drug there'll be a little warning do you really want to use this right because it has picked up that this is not n- normally used by other clinicians yeah, yeah. in the clinic the usual pattern. and so yeah. for a new veterinarian starting who is not really confident which direction i should go and should i be using this drug this is going to be a really big help for mm-hmm. our, our all new veterinarians because uh, it's all there's like a safety level in there and it kind of prompts you in terms of having a check that oh you're what you're doing is right yeah and it could also turn it around its head and say you know if you needed a support in where direction i should go there will be enough evidence to tell you like last time a patient like this happened dr omar used this would you like to use this because he based on these signs this looks very classical the way you know tammy did or you know yeah uh, tom did so the basically that is uh, basically yeah uh, very and, helpful for that and that's what we we ultimately teach our students is that pattern recognition right exactly so the software helps to assist in that i like the aspect with dictation because that that allows you to focus more on the pet and the owner as opposed to having to try to type or write at the same time or, or recall 
you know what exactly the you know the history was so i really like that aspect and you know, hope we look forward to using it here at some point absolutely and the other aspect of this is in in uh, just blood work assessment or um, you know any biopsies any imaging any pathology sample you have sent out for imaging you know uh, for cancer detection you know what a mast cell tumor looks like the computer knows what the features will mm-hmm. be so it automatically picks up and says oh this looks like like with so much probability it looks like this is right. a mast cell tumor and now a pathologist although has to confirm it yes so there'll always be that human layer at the top to really confirm the diagnosis but yes uh, crystals in urine like the moment you put a slide after your analysis and say uh, it automatically detects oh these looks like oxalate crystals yeah and it will also tell you that these are oxalate rather than a human pretty uh, uh, human somebody going there and trying to recognize what they are mm-hmm. they it will automatically uh, detect those for you and and tell you what the interpretations are um, rbc's wbc's macrophage whatever blood smear uh, i know there's been a conversation of detection of uh, blood borne pathogens mm-hmm. uh, we have uh, you know uh, um anaplasmosis or babesiosis in yeah. some parts of yeah. the world so those kind of uh things which go and live inside an rbc um on an imaging when you do a blood smear it can say oh there it looks like a, a yeah some a, sort of inclusion some sort of yeah. inclusion in there and those are the uh, patterns again the pattern detection is going to yeah. be in imaging that's going to really happen yeah. uh, pretty fast yeah i mean that that's definitely interesting and you know as you said anything to to further support would our you know indexa suspicion is certainly helps in diagnosing that for the patient definitely yeah and our our pathology team would love and because we the detection of and confirmation of eggs has always been something our students uh, love that idea of of detecting parasites and yeah. uh, and doing fecal analysis and of course there'll be help available in case of imaging and it auto detects and tells you oh this looks like uh, mm-hmm. uh, a tapeworm egg and things yeah. like that um we we mentioned or we were discussing you know outside of this podcast you know robotics and and, and microbots and those things uh do you want to tell us a bit more about that yeah so robotics is making its place uh, in the world both in human medicine um and probably it's in infancy in the veterinary side but i see a future where they will become part of um, bigger hospitals and um and in day to day use for example uh we have th- one division of robotics is what we call the humanoid social robots mm-hmm. and those social robots are just meant for greeting and doing some social work in the mm-hmm. clinic for example during covid times we had those robots which were just doing the disinfection in the clinic mm-hmm. uh so disinfections uh that's just they spray around and release some fumes etc but at the same time uh, you know um i was in, in new delhi in a big hospital because i had my dad had a checkup I accompanied him and I was fascinated to see a humanoid walking into the in the main atrium mm-hmm. uh, greeting patients and directing mm-hmm. them where they need to go and wow. you could ask a question uh, you know where is the pharmacy and it will tell you which side Direct to go you. Oh. and uh, so similarly people were asking about cafeteria where can I find water where are the washrooms yeah. and this one's just standing in the middle of this atrium right. and walking Direct around Uh-huh. and just tell, telling people and greeting people and it yeah. was such a funny sight to see that it was for me a first time watching that interaction between um human beings and, and a humanoid yeah. it, it uh, so i and i could immediately see yes like it could be a very interesting uh, 
feature where in they are not only greeting they are making people comfortable the i could see kids socializing it i think there was also the feature of uh, you know saying hello and it would greet you back right. um and kids around were uh, busy <laughs> getting some entertainment from that process yeah. so th- that is the social side of of uh, the we call the humanoid robo- robots but then you might have seen some images where the robots uh, have been made which are running uh, you know they look very alien like and they're running on big race tracks and they're doing different or they're lifting uh, weights etc mm-hmm. uh, in human side what they're trying to develop especially for geriatric treatment they are trying to uh, develop robots which are for lifting patients and putting them back on the bed so mm. um, they have been designed so that they first sit in that position where one arm is underneath so that they can sit on and the other arm just holds them like a back of a chair yeah, and then they turn them like that and then put them on the bed so that actually takes away the big concern from um, you know the the nurses and the hospital staff where they have to physically lift patients mm-hmm. spe- especially in old age homes and geriatric settings so that is going to be a, a big player in, in coming time where that humanoid is going to do that work um, i find that it's going to be very scary for our pets too we've dealt with in terms of <laughs> yeah. the weight and anything else but i probably could see a modification of that being used in some way or form for anesthetized patients when we move them from one place to the other or mm-hmm. taking them for an ultrasound or taking for an x-ray while they are already sedated yeah. and that mobility could be done on a stretcher which has already wheels and it can be governed yeah. by push of button say okay now once they're safely on there and they're sedated but then we can move them around rather than our staff and and you know faculty getting their backs uh yeah, hurt exactly. every once in a while and, yeah. and we know that's an hazard we all have worked with uh, in the past mm-hmm. so that is something which is going to be a, a very interesting field the other is the non social side of those robots which is going to be at the level of um micro uh, robotics or another level of that which called microbots which is very very fine small robots which are are like small bots but they can be either eaten and sent into the digestive tract to send mm-hmm. us a report about the digestive tract so it gathers information and then by the time it comes out or the other end in 12 hours 24 hours it has brought so much information about you know what's going on in there mm-hmm. there's some imaging um, as well as maybe it will uh, uh, look at uh, Uh, any presence of any blood etc yeah, if there's yeah. a bleeding sensing phs things like that yeah exactly or ulcer for example gastric ulcers or mm-hmm. uh, you know esophageal ulcers it it it, it can actually took an Im- take an image and also detect any yeah. occult blood yeah. presence where it is so those are the kind of uh, the the robots which uh, are going to be then microbots in bloodstream are going to be important for uh, you know uh, looking at obstructions or um hemorrhage uh, any hemorrhage from any site in the blood vessel mm-hmm. um those are th- what's what are being built and last but not the least are what we call the nanobeads and these nanobeads are so small but they are designed to deliver specific drugs to specific sites uh, the actual name is uh, nanoscale bacteria enabled autonomous drug delivery systems so mm-hmm. these you know can be used for just it is believed that there's on normal when we are doing an injection the drug is goes all over the place and is rather non specific yeah but with these uh, nanobeads you can actually load it with a specific drug and then because they are bacteria enabled with a tag to go to a specific site they can actually go there 
and then release that drug right on that site especially good for cancer patients cancer therapies yeah so that targeted focus delivery of whatever that drug may be yeah absolutely so that is something which i see maybe in in coming years will become more enhanced in terms of specific uh, delivery of sub- mm-hmm. drugs on specific sites yeah and those are those uh, i mean interesting four different branches of robotics which are going to be very interesting yeah. in coming times yeah amazing i mean It, it, the, the profession has changed so much since since I've graduated, you know, um, from VIN and, and other software programs to artificial intelligence, and and then to hear all these exciting things coming on the pipeline as well. It, it's certainly, you know, exciting profession to be in. Lots of progress. We're obviously piggybacking on the human side of things, but, you know, I, I can only see great things for our profession, definitely. Absolutely. And for a person like me who just got introduced to the internet around 97 and even when i was trying to come to canada i was connecting with canada through snail mail yeah and emails were not in existence uh for me to see that jump and see the technology from just getting to know the internet and then get connected to the internet of things to all these technologies and and you know is is just like a a, a boy in front of a candy store because <laughs> that's how my uh I've my eyes lit up and I yeah. get so drawn into it I love reading about all this I I love uh you know bringing technology to to use wherever we can in terms mm-hmm. of our our teaching and that's why um I have a special place for this information and knowledge uh in my heart yeah and it's great to have someone like you on faculty who who keeps abreast of that and then lets that information trickle down to someone like me who's not you know not too well versed in that sort of technology so i really appreciate that and anytime you want to share information you feel free definitely um i mean this has been great pavnish um thank you so thank much you. For, for joining us again um i still haven't made it over to look at that you know virtual reality software i promise i will come by and maybe once i do that we can get you back on the show again so we can talk about that experience absolutely i look forward to that and once again thank you so much uh, to you as well as the whole team of vet sessions for having me here. Oh, a pleasure. Thank you so much.